20 years old, I found out I was pregnant. Those two pink lines devastated me. I knew I could survive the adventure of parenthood, but I didn't have a roadmap to help me thrive. Welcome to the Two Pink Lines podcast, a podcast addressing the questions of unplanned pregnancy. I want to share stories of women and men who've embraced the unplanned and found out that they can still hope, dream, and become a parent. Hi, I'm your host, Cheyenne Erickson. Join me as we embrace the unplanned. Happy October. I love this month. Fall has finally arrived. My husband and son have birthdays this month. It's just great. I also have some really exciting news about a project I'm working on coming out on the next episode. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Today we're going to have a wonderful interview with my new friend Katie. Her story covers so much ground. She experienced an unplanned pregnancy and was planning to put her son up for adoption when more unplanned events came her way. Katie is just so sweet. This conversation taught me so much about adoption and custody battles and how brave a mom could be. So I hope you really enjoy this interview. Hey Katie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you Cheyenne? I'm good. Um, I am so excited to hear about your story. We've been planning this for a few months and you recently got married. Yes, it's so great to be married. Um, We've had just a whirlwind of adventure with COVID. Um, But, you know, finally just being with uh, the person that you love is the greatest thing. Oh, I mean, your pictures look beautiful. So yeah, and your chubby baby. Just so cute. <laughs> well, thank you. He was definitely uh, a wonderful part of the wedding and made everyone so joyful. Um, tell me a little bit about like, what do you do with your time on a day-to-day basis? Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am working almost full-time um, as a bookkeeper for an art gallery, which I absolutely love. Um, you might call me a little bit crazy, but I absolutely love filing paperwork and paying bills, which most people detest, but I definitely have found a job that is perfect for me. Um, So when I'm not working, I'm taking care of my son, um, who just turned um, one in May, so I guess he's about 16 months now, um, and getting to spend time with him and my husband and our dog. Aww. Um, No, with the bookkeeping thing, my husband went to undergrad to be an accountant, and it was not his calling in life, but I remember him being so excited to play around on Excel, and I'm like, you're crazy. (laughs) Oh, I love Excel. It's a weird thing to say, but Excel's my best friend. (laughs) I mean, yep, yep. (laughs) Well, was that what you wanted to do with your life, or did you have other dreams or paths that you wanted to pursue? Actually, no, I never saw myself being a bookkeeper. I actually failed accounting the first time I took it in college, um, and I detested it. Um, It was just the worst class I ever took, Um, which I think goes to show you that sometimes classes in college are not actually what the job is like in real life. 
Um, when I was going to my undergrad, I actually majored in business management, and my plan was to go into more of an HR field where I was going to be working with people on a day-to-day basis, and now I sit in my office by myself. <laughs> I mean, don't we all right now? But, exactly. um, so... Um, You had an unplanned pregnancy. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like for you? For sure. Um, So I did experience an unplanned pregnancy my junior year of college. Um, I took my pregnancy test the second week of college, um, or second week of the semester of college, and uh, it kind of changed my whole life plan and my whole... um, outlook on life, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. It rocked my world. Yeah. um, Because what's your religious background? Like what were kind of the expectations from your family and community? Yes. Um, So I grew up as a Roman Catholic. Um, I have seven siblings. I'm the oldest of eight kids. And um, I was raised in like a very conservative household. Um, very sheltered. I was homeschooled first grade through 12th grade. Um, and so when Me I went too, out- except for it was fifth through 12th. <laughs> that is the best of uh, fellow homeschoolers. <laughs> I like to say that we're smarter than everyone else, but you know. <laughs> I've actually interviewed a lot of homeschoolers because those are a lot of my friends growing up and, you know, people who you yeah, went to high school with and you're like, you had unplanned pregnancies too. So this is a very homeschooler friendly podcast, which is unique niche maybe not a good thing I don't know (laughs) no that makes me feel so comfortable though because definitely growing up in a sheltered environment among homeschoolers you're definitely raised in almost like a purity culture um Mm -hmm. and so having um an unplanned pregnancy is a very taboo thing um and there's a lot of shame involved with it um and it's not something that's talked about much Uh, even if like there are people in your community who face unplanned pregnancy. So I definitely felt like I was the first homeschooler to ever find themselves pregnant. Well, you're in good company here. Uh, So how did your family react to that news then? Were you scared to tell them? Oh, for sure. Um, I kept it to myself for several weeks, um, but I'm a terrible liar, and my mom knew that something was up, so she was the one who confronted me about it. She was like, there is something going on, and you just like need to tell me what it is, um, and I, my heart was beating out of my chest, and <laughs> I think that that was like the scariest day of my entire life, um, hands down, um, and I had this whole long speech planned of what I wanted to tell her and how to ease her into this conversation, but I really don't think that there's an easy way to tell your parents that you're facing an unplanned pregnancy. And so I sort of just like blurted out, like I'm pregnant. Um, And she was very silent. It was probably only about 30 seconds, but you know, it feels so much longer when you're just standing there waiting for something, somebody to say something. Um, Yeah. And so she just cried. Um, And she cried and I cried and she told my dad to come upstairs and then he cried and we all cried, Um, which I think is what I needed. Um, I needed someone to like sit with me in that pain of and the fear of finding out that I was facing an unplanned pregnancy, Um, not to try to like 
tell me that I needed to do something or shame me for what I had done um, or yell at me. They just like were there with me in the moment, Um, which I think like all things said, I don't, I think that that's probably one of the best reactions that parents could have. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were they the first people you had told? Um, I told my best friend um, the day that I found out I was pregnant. Um, The day I found out, I um, took a pregnancy test at six in the morning before my accounting class, actually, Um, (laughs) which actually is not the one I failed. I got an A in that one. I had failed one the prior semester. (laughs) Um, So I took the pregnancy test and I was just praying that it wouldn't be positive, but it was. Um, And so I cried in the bathroom and then washed my face and went to my accounting class and when I got out of class, I um, texted her and I said, hey, I need to call you. And I, I only found out about this about a month ago, but she told me that she knew. She knew I was pregnant. Um, and she was like, oh, oh, no, she's calling you to tell me that she's pregnant. Um, I just think it's funny that she's waited this long to tell me. <laughs> that she Hold it. How did she know? Just like you were feeling sick or? Well, I think that she knew that where I was in my life was just like I was not in a very good place. Um, I had been in sort of an off and on relationship with my ex and just like was making life choices that weren't like me, um, and that like didn't align with my values, um, and like Mm. the way that I had been raised and like the person that she knew that I was, if that makes sense. Um, and so she knew that I was making risky life choices. Um, and so like I, texted her out of the blue to tell her that I needed to call and talk to her. And so I don't think she knew, knew, but she was definitely suspicious um, gotcha. of what my news could be. That's so interesting. Yes. How did your, oh, you go ahead. Oh no. It's just, I, I like that she, she knew and she's just still like remained calm throughout the entire conversation, which there was no like, oh, I knew it, but just, yeah. just calmness and love. Yeah, my best friend's was, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> and <laughs> it was a good response. <laughs> How did your boyfriend respond? Um, so he did not respond super well. Um, we had broken up at this point. Um, we broke up about a week before I found out that I was pregnant. Um, oh, isn't that the way? <laughs> <laughs> and so I had sort of started the semester with this fresh slate in mind, new semester, um, a fresh start, being single and free in a sense. Um, And so I called him about a week after I found out I was pregnant. And I just told him like, hey, like we need to talk about something. Like I took a test and I'm pregnant. And he actually hung up the phone on me, um, which is not a very great way to react. Um, Yeah, mature. Yeah. Um, so that was like pretty hard because like I had just shared this like big moment with him about like being pregnant and like that it was his child and he just like really did not want to have that conversation with me. Um, so it took like a few more months before like he really like had wrapped his mind around the whole thing, um, and was like in a place where he could kind of talk about it, if that makes sense. Wow. And so what were your thoughts when you're like, I'm going to be a mom or were you thinking maybe I should just 
you know, terminate the pregnancy? What was kind of your thought process there? Yeah. Um, I am always have been someone who was raised pro-life and I never thought that the idea of termination would cross my mind. Um, and like, I'm not going to lie, it definitely did for a minute. Um, just like the thought of being a young person, um, facing an unplanned pregnancy. I was still in college. I didn't have a boyfriend. My parents were supportive in the sense that like, I wasn't going to be kicked out or anything like that, but they definitely weren't, um, approving of my unplanned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely felt like I had a lot of things again, going against me. Um, and I, for the first time, I think in my entire life, like I actually understood what a woman who does choose abortion, like what is going through her head at that time. And like, was kind of able to like empathize with her because I was like, wow, this is really scary. I understand why people Mm -hmm. might choose this. Um, so it was never really a thought in my head for more than like half a second though. Um, and I immediately went from like, oh my goodness, like I'm pregnant to what am I going to do about this? Um, and so the first thing that I went to was I, I really didn't feel like I was at a place where I was prepared to parent. Um, and I really didn't feel like I had a lot of stability to offer my child. Um, like I said, I was still had another year and a half of college left. Um, I was living with my parents at the time, um, working part time. I really just did not have a lot going for me. It was just not a very good time to be pregnant. Um, and so I decided to look into adoption um, and wow. into a couple adoption agencies. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I don't really think it's super incredible. I think it's just if you get to the point where you have to do what's best for your child, like you look for any alternative to like doing what or any alternative to where you're at and wanting to do what's best for them. I mean, I think it's incredible in the sense that it's entirely selfless um, Mm. to, you know, like, put your body through that emotionally and everything and then choose to be a birth mom. Um, and yeah, I have to say that was something that I never considered with ours. I did probably consider abortion more often than that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. So what did you do when you came to that conclusion? Yeah. Um, So I'm very much a research person. Um, It helps me be less overwhelmed and less stressed if I know what's coming. Um, So Mm -hmm. I did a lot of research on different agencies and what it's like to be a birth mom. I read lots of stories about it Um, and just like different ways to prepare, um, how to interview (laughs) adoptive parents um, and things like that. So I found an agency that I really loved. they're called American Adoptions, and they were so great to work with. Um, and we had ended up finding like a couple potential adoptive families through them. Um, and I was kind of moving forward with them towards the end of my fall semester um, when, like I said, my ex was very not involved at the beginning. But um, around the beginning of December, at the end of the semester, he decided that he um, – didn't like want to be out of the picture anymore and he didn't want um like he didn't want to be left out of anything so he decided to file for full custody 
um, through the court system. Uh, wow. So that kind of came out of nowhere from going from hanging up on hanging up the phone on me to filing for full custody all within about four months. So you're going along, you're like finding birth parents. Um, had you settled on any? Um, we were moving forward. Um, I had a family through this agency that I really liked. Um, but they normally don't set up meetings until you're a little bit farther along in your pregnancy. So I never had actually met this first family that I had picked because Okay. Gotcha. So you're just like, this is your mindset. And one day you get like a notice from the court that he's filed for full custody. Yeah. So it was definitely a shocker. Um, so after that and adjusting to that sort of mindset change, um, I sort of started to work on communication with him, um, so that he was able to understand my mindset and why I desired this, um, and how I really felt like it was better for our child to grow up in a two-parent household with a stable income, with siblings, and just like a family that could offer more things than what we could offer. And I eventually mm. did get him on board, um, which was really good. Um, and he was um, he was okay with adoption, but he wanted to use a different agency. So we ended up switching adoption agencies um, in my third trimester. Um, and we found an another family that we really liked. Um, and we met with them, actually. Um, and they were so great. Um, I still do talk to the our potential adoptive mom, and um, meeting them was so great, and getting to hear their story because they had already adopted several kids, um, mm -hmm. and they had open adoptions with their kids, and we were planning to have an open adoption with our son, so we were we would be able to see him somewhat regularly. We would be able to get pictures and information about him, and he would still know that we were his birth parents and he would have that sort of tie to his genetic family, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, so you're in like your third trimester, like you're, were you still doing school at that time? Yes. Um, so I was in my second semester of junior year at that point. Um, I had a really good schedule um, because I, at this point I knew I was pregnant when I was picking my classes. Um, and so I had, um, I was due finals week of the spring semester. So oh my I, goodness. I went to class super pregnant. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I found out two weeks before my finals junior year that I was pregnant. And then I went cold turkey on my coffee, which was just not oh, a good final strategy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so... Okay, so you're about ready to give birth. What happened next? Yes. Um, so we moved forward with the adoptive parents. Um, we had an adoption attorney because there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of sort of legalistic things that come into play when you're dealing with an adoption. Um, so it was like really important to have all the paperwork figured out ahead of time. Um, so I had planned to, when I went into labor, um, I knew that I did not want my ex-boyfriend in the hospital room when I delivered, um, but I really wanted um, our potential birth, or our, sorry, our potential adoptive mother in the room 
because one of my favorite childhood stories is hearing the story of our birth. Like my mom tells it every time it's our birthday, we all gather around and we get to hear the story of how we were born. And I really wanted my child to be able to hear that story from his mother's perspective. And Mm. so having her in the room when I delivered was very important to me. Um, So we planned that ahead of time. (laughs) Once again, you're so considerate. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had so much time, you know, nine months to like plan through all of this. And um, I mean, I guess in hindsight, nine months isn't a whole lot of time to plan out a whole lifetime for a child. But you think about the things that you want for their future. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I did go into labor, um, I went into labor, uh, at about, uh, 7 PM and I labored all night and, um, my son was born, uh, via emergency C-section in the mid afternoon. And so the adoptive mother was there with me like the entire morning while I was in labor. Um, she had a plastic menu (laughs) from the, uh, hospital room and she fanned my face while I was pushing, um, which is like one of my favorite memories. So, um, my mom was holding one of my legs and my best friend was holding my other leg and, um, she was fanning my face. You guys were having a party in there. My goodness. Yeah. There were a lot of people. It was super fun. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, so when he was actually born, though, there was only allowed to be one person for the C-section. So it was my mom. And um, so she wasn't actually there, but she was able to see him shortly after birth. Um, and just getting to have her there for the whole experience um, of labor just was very comforting. Um, and if anyone is a prospective birth mother, like I highly recommend that if you're comfortable with it, because it was just so great. Like knowing that I had another support person there who also loved my son as deeply as I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good perspective. Um, so when would she have ended up, um, you know, taking the baby home or how, what does that look like? Yeah. So it depends on the state um, that you live in when you can sign adoptive paperwork. Um, In my state, in Arizona, it's 72 hours after birth is when you can um, waive your um, uh, paternal rights, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. So we would have had to either stay in the hospital for 72 hours or we could have signed some paperwork that basically allowed the adoptive parents to take Um, our son home until we reached that 72-hour limit before we could officially sign and they could officially become the adoptive parents. Okay. Um, So that was our plan. Um, They had a room in the hospital so they could be staying close by and get to visit um, my son while um, he was staying in the hospital and just be kind of close by. Um, That ended up not being what happened. Um, because my ex ended up sort of last minute deciding um, after meeting our son that he did not want to go through with the adoption. Um, Mm. And he was sort of waffling back and forth in the hospital. Um, He asked for a paternity test um, before he made a decision about the adoption. So we did a paternity test in the hospital, but it was going to take about a week to get the results back. Um, 
which was kind of frustrating to me because, you know, I, I knew that um, my ex was the father of this child. And so it's frustrating to have to wait the whole week just to find out that it wasn't what you already knew. Yes. <laughs> so we decided that I should take uh, my son home because the adoptive parents, like I said, had already adopted several other kids and we didn't really want to introduce a new baby to them and be like, this is possibly your new sibling, but possibly not um, because they were still pretty young and that would be very traumatic for them. Uh, yeah. And I would not have wanted their family to have to go through that. Um, so I ended up taking my son home Um and the next week was probably like the most intense week of my life. Um, very emotional um, and very, um, I was, it was a sleepless week um, because mm. every day I thought that it could potentially be my last day as his only mom um, because I really didn't know what my ex was going to decide. Um, because at that point we both had rights as biological parents. Um, so in order, because he had filed for full custody back in December, um, he would, he had the same rights as I did. So he, if he didn't want to sign the adoption paperwork, the adoption wouldn't go through, um, and vice versa. If I didn't want to sign the adoption paperwork, the adoption wouldn't go through. Um, so it was basically just a waiting game because I still wanted to move forward with the adoption. Um, I loved this family and I loved this baby and I could just see that this was this beautiful, good thing. And so that whole week was just, is he going to say yes to the adoption? Is he going to say no to the adoption? Like if he says yes, then like I have to be prepared to say goodbye to this baby. Um, mm. and like, accept the fact that like, I am not going to be his only mom anymore. Um, and so like I barely slept because every single second, just like staring at his tiny precious face. Um, like I didn't want to waste a moment of that. And on the other side of that, like plan B, you might become a full-time mom yes. at any second. So how are you preparing for that mentally? Um, I wasn't, which um, ended up being really hard. Um, we got the results back and it, the results were that my ex was indeed the father, um, which was a big shocker. <laughs> um, but once he found out that he was indeed the father, um, he decided that he did not want to go through with the adoption and that he wanted to parent. And so because of that, that automatically meant that I was parenting too, and I really didn't prepare for that possibility because my entire pregnancy, I had to imagine saying goodbye to this child. And mm. it's a very hard decision. And like anyone who's a birth mother will tell you that like it really does take a lot of preparation and that like it really is an act of sacrificial love to like say goodbye to your own biological child in order to like give them something else. And so I think that I hadn't even let myself imagine a world where I was going to be parenting because it would have just been too hard to not do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, so the adoption falls through. Um, now, t since he filed for full custody, what happens between you and him then? Yes. So we did have a custody battle after that. Um, the court system takes forever. So my son was born in sep in um, I'm sorry in May, and we didn't have a final ruling until September, which is about a year ago. Um, oh wow! And so we went through a couple processes. Um, we sort of drafted a couple things together without any attorneys or any court involvement. Um, the court was already involved to some extent because he had filed for full custody. Um, but if we were able to reach an agreement outside of attorneys and lawyers and all that, we would have gone with that. Um, but we couldn't really come up with something that we both really agreed on. So we moved to the next step in the process, which is mediation, um, which is mm -hmm. where me and my attorney, um, him and his attorney and a third party neutral lawyer um, all meet and we sort of discuss like the pros and cons, what we would like to see, what the other party would like to see. Um, and we try to come to an agreement there. And we actually were able to come to an agreement in mediation, um, which was really good because it saved us a lot of time and a lot of kind of back and forth in the court system. Um, and it kept the decision about parenting between the two of us instead of a judge who really just like doesn't know the logistics of our situation or our son. Um, and so I really appreciated that we were able to kind of work together on that. Mm. And so what does parenting look like now? Yeah. Um, so we have joint legal custody. Um, so we both get to make educational and medical decisions for our son. Um, and we started with a, um, what they call a graduated parenting plan. So I had a lot more time with our son when he was a baby, um, cause I was breastfeeding and, um, just a little bit more equipped to get up in the middle of the night with him and things like mm -hmm. that. So, um, we moved up in time um, on his first birthday and when he was six months old, and we'll move up in time again when he's two and when he's four. Um, so we have sort of a plan built in place um, to handle like as he grows. Um, mm -hmm. So right now I have him about 75% of the time. Um, so he's actually at his dad's this evening, which is why I'm able to record in such silence. <laughs> yes. It's a small miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you recently got married, but you've been a single mom for a year. Um, how have you been doing with that? Yeah. Um, being a single mom is definitely hard. Um, I am very grateful to be married now. Um, and I told my husband that like, oh my gosh, it's so much easier with you. Um, so I was a single mom. Um, yes, you're right, for about a year, year and a half almost. Um, and I was going to school, finishing up my last semester before I graduated. And so I was a single mom and going to school and working. And so that was like definitely an overwhelming time period. Um, yeah, it's just kind of, a. you feel very, um, alone. I think a lot of times as a single mom, mm -hmm. um, just like, it's just you and the baby. Um, 
And that's actually when I met my current husband was during those times of just me and the baby as we, we met through Facebook and we, I had lots of free time to just chat with him while I was rocking a fussy baby. So, yeah, I mean, I know I've struggled because we moved away from family. And so it's mostly been my husband and I, and my husband's, um, you know, really busy. He was in school and then he, you know, started working long hours and, So I would often feel that aloneness, but at the end of the day, I had someone to kind of toss the baby to and be like, I need 15 minutes right now, or I'm going to go crazy. Things like that, which like are really lifesavers. And so um, when I hear about women doing it by themselves, I just like, I cannot applaud you enough because I, I really can't imagine doing it. Well, thank you. Um, I think my favorite thing now is just like having someone to bounce my ideas off of. Just be like, mm. am I like losing it or is like my toddler just being insane right now? Um, and it's just nice to have someone else who like is also there watching the craziness unfold. Um, mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to get to live with family um, up until about um, two months ago, like right before we got married. Um, so I like... I called myself a fake single mom, <laughs> not to take away from the fact that I am a single mom, but um, my fam- my parents live really close by and I was living with my grandparents who were like a huge help just to be like, can you please hold the baby while I take a shower because I've been puked on six times today. Oh, yeah. No, family, su- family support is such a big deal. And that's kind of a theme that we've talked about as we've gone through the podcast is the experiences people have when they have support or not. And I think if I could like send a postcard to every person in the world and be like, support your pregnant slash new moms around you, because I, I think that the community support support makes all the difference. It really does. And just like knowing that you're not alone and that like, if you need help, like there are going to be people there that can help you. Yeah. What was probably the most challenging thing, like doing school and having a baby? Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be like a very interesting thing to pick for the hardest thing. Um, But the hardest thing for me was having to stop nursing Um, because Mm -hmm. of my class schedule and my work schedule. Like it really just like wasn't feasible for me to be breastfeeding anymore. Um, And like pumping was just a nightmare and just the logistics of all of that yeah it was awful I felt like a cow I hated it um okay terrible story sorry to interrupt but I was trying my breast pump for the first time and I had it on both sides and my husband walked in in a moment of sheer stupidity he goes moo and I just (laughs) burst out crying I was like what and like he has apologized so many times he'll be so embarrassed that I told you slash everyone else that is um, amazing. but I would I was just like weeping because I'm like I don't want to do this yeah so yeah the cow analogy <laughs> you really do and I was just like I couldn't could not handle that and so I think that that was one of the hardest things for me was having to switch from breastfeeding to formula. Um, I was able to breastfeed for about three months, which I'm really thankful for. Um, but like, that was probably one of like the biggest sacrifices I had to make. And like, that's kind of a silly sacrifice. Cause like 
honestly, it was probably easier for me not to have to nurse. Um, but it was one of the things that I really missed um, that I probably could have done if I hadn't been going to school at the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think that's silly at all. Breastfeeding is such an intimate time and some women truly, truly like love that connection and everything. And some women, because of schedules or like your physical ability, can't do it. And um, no, that makes sense that that was hard. Yeah. Um, and I think just like, like you said, some of the logistics were difficult with like, okay, so I have to be at class at this time and I have to drop him off at this time to my mom to watch for this small window of time. And when does he have to nap and when does he have to eat? And all of like those things, um, like contribute to making parenting and being a student, like more, each more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense too. Um, is there anything else you'd like us to know? Like if someone is going through, um, a custody battle or something like that, because that's something I've never talked to anyone about. And, um, it sounds daunting. Yeah, it's definitely scary. Um, and it's still something that like, we're still going through, like we're, we're going to be working with the courts for like the next 18 years, honestly, um, between, custody and between child support and all of that. Um, so I think like my advice would be like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like the number of times that I've called the court's office and been like, I have no idea what this piece of paperwork means. Like, can you please explain it to me? Um, it's like ridiculous, but everybody I've ever talked to has been so nice and so helpful. Um, so like, I think that would be my first piece of advice. And then my second piece would be try your hardest to work things out with um, your ex or um, like whoever it is that you're battling for custody with um, and just like try to figure out what is going to be in the best interest of your child because at the end of the day like both of you are parents and both of you should be working towards wanting what is good for them and so if you can try to have conversations with them um, about things that you're seeing or things that you're worried about or um, kind of like things that you'd like to uh, work on with your child, um, it can like really just help build that like relationship um, with your ex so that your child like can see you guys working together and not see you guys as enemies. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And um the enemies part I know is my best friend has a um, divorced parents situation and hearing the stories of her parents, like having totally different viewpoints of what should be happening has caused her so much trauma. Yeah. And I, that's the one thing that I want to avoid for my son is like, I don't want him to see his dad and I fighting over him or um, just like fighting with each other. Um, like, my goal is just, like, for us to see each other, like, in a respectful way so that we're able to kind of effectively communicate and effectively co-parent. I mean, that's kind of true for parents who live in the same household, too, because um, I know, like, I'll correct my husband right in front of the kids when he tells them to do something. I'm like, no, they shouldn't be doing that. And he's like, you have to support me in my decisions. Like, correcting me in front of them is not yes. helpful. And making us the team of you and I versus them 
And so that's something I've had to work on too is, you know, okay, remember to step away at night and talk to them about it then instead of, you know, right in front of the kids. So then mommy and daddy are fighting. Yes, exactly. And like one thing I try to be very conscious about is if I'm upset with um, his dad or with something that he's done, I like he's only a year and a half, so he really doesn't quite know what's going on. Um, but even so, like I really like to not vent about his dad or trash talk his dad in any way in front of him. Um, because even if like I'm upset with something that is going on or something that he's done, I don't want it to influence the way that like my son sees things. No, that's so important. And also like they do understand that at a ridiculously young age, because one day I was talking to, I think my sister-in-law on the phone about something my daughter had done that I was so angry about, but she was sitting in the next room, like reading a book or something. And after I got off the phone, she came up and she was like, why are you still mad at me? We said, I forgive you. And I realized like, even at, I don't know, slightly over two, she had understood that I was like telling someone else about what she had done. Um, and so since then I've been very careful on the phone. Like I will not say anything about the negative behavior of my children around them because that was, a big oops moment. I have lots of oops moments. I mean, everyone does, but here I get to publicize them. (laughs) So in terms of like, I don't know, I think what I struggled with a lot with my implant pregnancy was I felt like I was going on one trajectory and then I felt like pulled off to the side and like my whole life changed. Do you feel that way now? Like how do you look at your future? Yeah. I think in the moments after finding out I was pregnant, I definitely felt that way. Um, I just like really didn't know how I was was going to move forward with being a student. Um, I didn't know how I was going to like get a job if I had a baby and I was a single mom. Um, There were just like a lot of unknowns ahead and that was so terrifying for me. Because like I said, I'm very much like a researcher and a planner and I like to know what's going to happen. And you just, you can't know what's going to happen like when you have a baby. I think whether yeah. it's a planned pregnancy or an unplanned pregnancy, you just, you don't know. Um, and I think like one of my biggest fears also was that I was never going to like find someone who loved me and my son and that I was just going mm. to be like single forever. Um, because like in college and in high school and even in middle school, like I had always like dreamed of being a mom and like being married. And that has always been something that I have wanted. Um, and so like that was even after I gave birth and was parenting, I still had like kind of this residual fear that like I was almost damaged goods and that Mm. I was not going to find someone who, who was like able to love a single mom and like who could ever love my son the same way that I do. Um, and so I had sort of resigned myself to being forever alone. (laughs) Um, and so I think that like, that was the change that was hardest for me. Um, it was once I got over the initial shock, I could kind of figure out navigating school. I could figure out navigating work, but like my love life was just kind of like forever doomed. Um, 
So when my husband came out of nowhere and knocked me off my feet or swept me off my feet, he uh, <laughs> he kind of knocked me off my feet, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> it was like the biggest surprise and the biggest blessing um, to have found someone who who had the same values that I did and who wanted the same things in life as me um, and who like truly did love my son the same way that I did. Um, it was just like, I'm still kind of in shock over the whole thing. I'm still every day. I'm like, we got married. And I tell him that I'm like, you married me. (laughs) That's so sweet. (laughs) Well, Katie, thank you so much for telling us your beautiful story. And it's just incredible. And I can't wait to see what you keep doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. I'm amazed at Katie's positive attitude after such a crazy ride, but I'm so excited for her marriage and all the amazing things that are to come. If you're encouraged by these stories, please take the time to rate and review the podcast. You can also find Two Pink Line Pod on social media. Not gonna lie, it's mostly on Instagram, but I do technically have an unupdated Facebook page as well. Like I said, In the next episode that's going to come out, I have an exciting project to share with you all. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You don't want to miss this exciting announcement. And I'll see you guys next time.